Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Get really got on the Genesis kick today. Then all of a sudden we're listening to Steve Winwood and Bruce Hornsby and just feeling it. Steely Dan. Welcome back. Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Leap into the next ski season at Lost Trail Ski Area with no blackout days, just pure uninterrupted mountain bliss. The 24-25 season pass sale starts uh, February 29th, so coming up here in about eight days. Enjoy Lost Trail's expansive 1,800-acre terrain with an annual snowfall average of more than 300 inches. The perfect escape, offering lots of powder and breathtaking landscapes of Montana and Idaho. The early bird sale, February 29th through March 7th at LostTrail.com. Lost Trail, go for the snow. It's time now for our ESPN Roundtable, probably presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls has breakfast, lunch, and dinner, plus a variety of big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, great place to gather with family and friends alike. Check them out at 3621 Brook Street, Missoula's coolest hotspot. We'll turn around for our ESPN Roundtable here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV, and the ESPN Montana app. Our guest this week, a fun one, a return guest, and the guy we always love talking about the ins and outs of college sports, it's Matt Brown. He's the curator, publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. He's joined us before, but it's been a little while. Matt, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Hey, it's it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm more than happy to do it, and I appreciate you having me back on. Well, uh, first of all, just tell me where you're at in the world these days. Well, yeah, so we're, we're still based in Chicago. Um, it, it's been a, a hectic, you know, a couple of months at Extra Points. We, uh, I'm under new corporate ownership now after we've transitioned away from working with D1 Ticker, who we still love and, and, and hope for the best. Uh, we're going to be a part of uh, a new uh, startup that's going to have some other components uh, focused on, on northern college athletics, including potentially... Uh, Montana and, and FCS sports, along with the Big Ten and 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 uh, and West Coast and, and the northern part of the Big Twelve. Uh, so it's exciting. It's exciting to be able to be doing the kind of work that we want to do with uh, the financial support and infrastructure to make the best work possible. Well, I love what you're doing. I think it's awesome. As somebody that still fervently believes that journalism is an essential part of uh, being an American, I think it's awesome what you're doing. So those that are unfamiliar with this, Matt does a whole bunch of in-depth type reporting. Really good as far as like the freedom of information request stuff that you need to get. Digging into sort of the story behind the story. This is all mostly off-the-field stories. Uh, in yeah. college sports. So he's done a great job as this ever-evolving world has spun in front of us, some would say spun out of control in front of us, uh, with all the different moving parts, whether it's extended eligibility or one-time transfer rules or name, image, and likeness or uh, all these other different factors. So, uh, Matt, I'll just start with the most broad question I can think of. How would you sum up the state of college athletics right now, and how does that pertain to the, the reporting and the job that you do on a daily basis? Yeah, I'd say it, it's kind of funny because, like a lot of reporters, I ended up, I, you know, before I ended up doing this job, I considered going to law school, right? Yep. And, and part of the reason I decided not to do it 
beyond the fact that document review sucks. Uh, but but one of my one of my very early jobs was actually working uh, in the antitrust department um, for the Ohio Attorney General and and reviewing all of the research that goes into regulating antitrust cases. And I just I remember thinking at twenty like this is so boring. You couldn't pay me enough to want to do this. And now you can't write about off the field stuff in college sports without writing about antitrust, without writing about public labor law. Uh, without writing about Congress, you know, the, the, the joke's on me, right? This is stuff that you, that you can't really avoid for, for, as, a, as a reporter, right? Like on, on one hand, it's a very exciting time to be covering college athletics because like you said, so much is changing. There are no more off seasons right now. Beyond rule changes, um, there are multiple, you know, I would say existential threats, you know, being posed to the, the status quo for college sports from uh, the National Labor Relations Board, from the district courts challenging the employment status of athletes, and also a potentially multi-billion-dollar antitrust case, which could bankrupt, literally bankrupt the NCAA, um, and 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 potentially be a financial millstone uh, around multiple athletic departments. So there's that with everyone scrambling to to figure out what to do legally. Um, the way that we, the way that major programs and mid-major programs build and retain and develop rosters and culture and talent is completely different. The way that they try to earn revenue is completely different. I can understand if you're a fan and you're trying to follow all of this, and it can be scary, right? Especially if you're like, look, man, I just, I, will, I just want to watch the Grizz play football specifically, so I never have to think about the words National Labor Relations Board. And like, I get that. I have sympathy for it. But that's not the world that we live in right now. All that other stuff is going to play a big role in shaping what college sports looks like, not just for Ohio State and Alabama, and not just for Montana and Montana State, but potentially all the way down, really, to the Division Three and NAIA level. Totally agree. Matt Brown joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. It's our ESPN Roundtable. He's the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, talking about all things state of college athletics, as we are prone to do pretty much daily uh, this day and age. I think that that's a, the most interesting part as far as most of the people that are listening to this show, Matt. I think people have a pretty good understanding that if you are Michigan and Ohio State, it's and you know whoever else, the Power Five, it's an arms race. How do you raise enough money to have enough money to compete. And I think there's a whole different set of questions there. Are we going to have a salary cap? What sort of regulations come to the table? But it's much, much more of a pro sports model. The the why of where the money comes from and the who of who we're going to hang out with moving forward in terms of conference alignment, I think that's pretty set in stone. The rich are going to get richer. The rich are going to hang out with each other. It's all about how do you generate the most possible revenue. It's that next level of college sports that I think people have so many questions about. If you're the Grizz, if you're the Bobcats, if you're North Dakota State, if you're South Dakota State, you've been premier teams in your subdivision of specifically football, but also great mid-major teams in other sports as well. But where do you fall? Who are your your next neighbors going to be? I think that's that's the thing everybody's wondering. You know, how are we going to get more money? How are we going to fund it? How are we going to keep up with the Joneses? And so, um, what do you think of just that element, sort of this second tier of Division One athletics that's that's playing chase? Because I do think, in cer- certain ways, playing chase with the big boys is futile. But finding a new sort of uh, group of people, so to speak, to hang out with might be the ultimate solution. 
Yeah, it's it's a really big question, right? And, and, you know, I could tell you over the past several weeks, uh, and these are conversations that have really kicked up in intensity recently, athletic directors and and some commissioners throughout the FCS and what we call 1AAA or Division I that sports that don't sponsor, Division I teams that don't sponsor football, have been getting together, talk about who's advocating for us and what kind of mission and values and structure do we want to champion because the people that are lobbying in Congress right now and the people that are getting on ESPN and they're kind of driving the ship in, in NCAA internal governance, those are, the, those are the power conferences. And very specifically, it's mostly the Big Ten and the SEC. And, and here's the challenge right now. If you're Montana or if you're Montana State or if you're a Missouri Valley or a Summit League or in, in many cases even some Mountain West kind of programs, right? You sell tickets. You charge for parking. You are going to go to First National Bank in Great Falls and try to go get a sponsorship deal, and you're playing to win. But on no planet is, is, is your operation a peer of anybody in the Big Ten or SEC. It's no not doubt. a baby NFL. And it usually doesn't come close to, to, to breaking even when you look at your scholarship costs and, and, and everything else, and that's not the point. And what, the, what many FCSADs are trying to say is, we need to center ourselves as like a, 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 a social service model rather than a for-profit business model and be more centered explicitly on education. And this is really important. And I think it's important for fans in this market to understand here is, is what happens if athletes here fall under unemployment designation. You know, you may have heard about this, you know, I think it's a week, a week or two ago, right, that, that the Dartmouth men's basketball team petitioned to unionize and the, the regional director of the National Labor Relations Board issued a ruling and said, you're right, you are being treated like employees and you should be able to unionize. And for those who aren't familiar, and I'm not saying this to be disrespectful, Dartmouth men's basketball sucks, right? <laughs> totally. like, the, right? If, you, if you're a good high school basketball game, anywhere in a, in a city in this state, you're gonna outdraw Dartmouth men's basketball. It's 500 people out of game. They haven't made the tournament since the 50s. They're, they're you know, sub 300 Kempom program and have been for years. Um, and and they don't even make, they're not even on scholarship. And so if a judge looks at that and says, we don't care that you're not a revenue sport. We don't care that you're not even on scholarship. What's important is that you're being treated like employees. If that designation is true for one of the worst teams in Division One, it's definitely true for Montana and Montana State. And not just for football and basketball, but potentially for everything. And that's the challenge. Because I, ho- I don't think I'm telling tale theory out of school. I think both ADs of their programs w- would agree with me. You can't afford to put all 400, 500 athletes at either school, even at a $15 an hour salary. No way. Uh, and pay them. Because we, that's going to be an extra fifteen million dollar expense for your department, and it would it would bankrupt it would bankrupt the department. You could not function in in this manner, and so that's what these ads and conference leaders, and I think for their sake, I would hope presidents are starting to advocate here more soon and say, "Listen, the courts may recognize that Texas is baby NFL or baby NBA, and that's fine, but we need some kind of legal relief or some kind of definition or some kind of structure." just shows that what we're doing isn't that. 
Because if we don't get that, and a judge or somebody from the outside dictates that we are, the only fun, the only choices Montana would have then would be either to drop to a club sports, essentially a club sports model, or slash the number of sports they offer to like four. And I think I think both of those would be unfortunate, not just for fans in this market, but for college access for students throughout the, the Intermountain West. It's certainly going to be fascinating to see how it all evolves. Uh, Matt Brown from the Extra Points Newsletter joining us here on Nuwana's Now. It's our ESPN Roundtable, probably presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Jim Harbaugh suggested uh, in the lead-up to the college football playoff, maybe a revenue-sharing model. If you sell this many tickets, the athletes get this much of a cut. What do you think of that uh, potential solution, or is that even a feasible solution in your mind? I mean, I think it's a great idea, but it doesn't address the core issue here. The, the core legal issue is, should these athletes be employees? And if you meet the legal definition of an employee, which is centered not on revenue, not on profit, but about control, then no amount of voluntary revenue sharing is, is likely to hold up in court and, and, and save you from that. Um, it's something that you know schools should be doing, period, if, if, if there's revenue to be shared. But the core question has to be resolved here. And, and especially at the level of a Michigan or a Texas or an Ohio State, so many of the concerns that coaches and ADs have right now about collectives, about rampant transferring, about tampering, about trying to institute some modicum of predictability and roster movement and roster payments, the literal only way you can do any of that is with a collective bargaining agreement. Because otherwise, your butt's going to be sued for break for antitrust violations 48 hours after you issue any kind of ruling. And to do that, you either got to get Congress to bail you out or you got to recognize them as employees. And that puts you right back in the same conundrum that we were just talking about a minute ago. Because that will work for Michigan. Michigan will complain about it, but they can function and they can do it. I don't think it can work in Montana. I, I totally agree. And it's going to be fascinating to see how it all uh, plays out because... You know, as you say, there's so many different moving parts here. I wonder this. So let's say we 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 reach some sort of equilibrium where it is working. There there is unions. I mean, I think that's one thing that people don't understand about professional sports is some of the strongest unions in America are the players' unions in, in the professional sports and the collective bargaining agreement. When that comes up, uh, you know, every several years in the NFL or the NBA, that's a huge deal. If that is to happen, though, there's collective bargaining agreements between uh, student-athletes that are deemed as employees in the Power Five, but then there's not in the non-Power Five, in the Group of Five and or the the FCS mid-major or whatever. How do you then differentiate between what those different student-athletes are doing? Or I guess, what's that balance like? It just seems like there's so much gray area there. If one guy is going to practice 20 hours a week at, you know, Eastern Washington and the other one's going to 20 hours of practice a week at Ohio State, how do you, like, differentiate between the two? Well, on on what you could decide, we're going to stop playing each other, right? Right. (laughs) Just like like the Kansas City Chiefs aren't going to go play you know, a, a barroom team, sure. you know, in, in, in this country, right? So that's one thing you could do. Uh, you know, I was talking to the AD at UMBC, um, you know, the team that, that, that beat Virginia as a 16th seed a couple, a couple of days ago. And he was saying, you know, even if we move to that model in basketball, I hope we all still combine for one NCAA tournament. And it would just be like the FA Cup, which is the, the major soccer tournament in, in England for everybody in the, soccer, in, the, in the soccer pyramid. And the bottom levels of the soccer pyramid are amateurs. Um, it, it's essentially, you know, 12 dudes from, from Doug's pub, right? And if, and if they keep winning their regional tournaments, they're going to get a crack at pros. And it doesn't happen very often, but, but sometimes the guys that are making 200 bucks a week 
um, beat the division, you know, the, the tier three and the tier four teams. And in basketball, where if, you know, one point guard is just absolutely unconscious, uh, you, you could potentially win those kind of games. In football, I don't, I don't think that that makes sense, right? And, and that will be one of the other maybe painful changes that will have to happen at the FCS level is that if you're not going to treat your athletes like employees and you're either going to comply with the, uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act, you're going to comply with the congressional carve-out, it's probably going to have to be a less structured demanding activity. So you might have, like, the, the books say that you only get to practice for 20 hours a week. And you know, and I know, and God knows, that's not enforced. Right? No that's not true. If you're playing football in Montana, um, regardless of what the timesheet says, we all know that you're spending more than 20 hours a week on your craft, right? It may mean that we actually have to put some teeth behind that. And so if you have to travel to, I don't know, northern Arizona, right? And where you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to be gone for, for 18 hours. Maybe you only practice twice the next week, or maybe you do what a lot of division three programs do. And, and, and I think Colorado school minds, which is a great program has to do this. They don't get to practice as a team as often because you've got guys in engineering labs. You've right. got people in the different class schedules and you just say Thursday is the whole, the whole team meets. And we're going to have a, you know, we're going to meet in groups of 20. We're just going to do position group stuff, uh, you know, to accommodate for, for different schedules. There's a lot of ways that it could go, but it is, it's hard for me to imagine a world where it looks exactly the same way as it does. And you just have the power conferences, you know, playing baby NFL somewhere else. I don't think that that's going to pass muster in, in court. And, and in case there's any, there's any misconceptions here, because sometimes this comes up in, in various markets. When I, when, I, when I talk about the courts, I'm not talking just about a bunch of hardcore Democrat activist judges, right, that are trying to find a way to sneak organized labor into everything. There are Trump-appointed judges who look at this and go, the NCAA's full of crap, right? The, the, the Johnson v. NCAA, which is about employment status of FCS football players in Pennsylvania, there's just some pretty small government conservatives. Um, on, on the bench there, too. This is something where, you know, judicial minds of multiple philosophies are really getting into the weeds of, of how college sports works and, and really all agreeing this does not line up with the law. ESPN Roundtable, Matt Brown, the Extra Points newsletter, joining us here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. The NIL Collective, the rise of this concept, and this is like the big story right now, when it comes to sort of the Blue Bloods and the, and the FCS, North Dakota State's trying to yeah. do it. South Dakota State's trying to do it. They're a little bit later to the party than maybe Montana State was. I think actually there's a dynamic there where Montana State was the one playing chase, so they decided, okay, we got to get out in front of this. Maybe this can be our advantage to close the gap with the Dakotas or even the rival in Montana. And now Montana's yeah. gone all in on it, and they have a new NIL collective, and they have a director and all this sort of stuff. So, to me, I get why this has become an arms race. I also really struggle with if this is actually in the spirit of the rule. NIL is controversial, but I do believe that uh, young men and women that do have name, image, and likeness that is uh, of of certain prestige or certain you know exposure that they do deserve to make money off of that. If, if you're popular enough to sell your jersey or your autograph's worth five bucks or whatever, I think you should be able to do that. Yeah. That said, it seems like this collective is maybe not in the spirit of those rules. It, it's it's trying to get money for everybody, whether you are a reputable, marketable type of face 
or not. So what do you think of just the way this has all evolved? And uh, what's your stance just on if this is actually what was intended originally when, when NAL first passed? Uh, it definitely wasn't intended, but it also doesn't really matter, I think, at this point what the intention is, because, again, we, we have that pesky law. Uh, so, so let me try to kind of clear, clear this up, because this is a, a source of a lot of confusion among fans and parents and schools. When we talk about NIL, essentially we're really talking about two different markets which behave differently and have different you know, vendors and people involved. On one hand, we have what I like to call market-driven NIL, and that's sort of what you were talking about in the beginning. So I've heard some ADs call this true NIL, and that's an athlete partnering with some kind of organization or brand to do a promotional or commercial event, and the brand hopes that they, that they profit from it, right? So if you've got an athlete on the Grizz who's from a ranch community or something, and he wants to enter into an agreement to help promote Western wear and boots and, and hats and, and saddles and everything, and, and, and that speaks to his lived experience. He's got 4,000 Instagram followers. That they want to pay him an affiliate deal for every hat that he sells. That's NIL. Like, that's great. That, that market exists. Uh, one group that has disproportionately benefited from that world relative to what they can earn as professional athletes have been women. Um, and, and generally, even at mid-major schools like in this market, um, generally more women are doing these deals than men. And it's not just social media. Sometimes it's, it's autographs. Sometimes it's camps or promotional events. That exists. But I would say conservatively, 80% of the total dollar spend in the NIL world has nothing to do with that. And what that, what that is, that they're, they're coming from collectives, generally raised from fans and a handful of rich boosters to serve as a de facto salary, <laughs> to either get people to come to his school or more likely in a, in a Montana or Montana State's case, to retain them, to keep them from transferring to Boise State or Washington or Colorado when they overperform. Is that in the spirit of the rules? No. Is it illegal to uh, really investigate and prohibit? Probably. It's probably an antitrust violation. Do those players deserve that money? In my humble opinion, yes. Um, we can, and you know, this, is this a good system? No, I, I, don't, I don't think it is. It, it's terrible organizationally, right? Like I, I tell folks, imagine if the Denver Nuggets had a, a coach and a president and assistant coaches, but the GM was somebody that didn't work for the Nuggets at all. It was just like the, the message board community of the Denver Post. And then they would pass the, the, you know, a hat around the state to go try to, you know, to keep Jokic in, in the city. You would look at that and think that that's insane. Even if you had enough money, that's bad governance. And, and that's, what, that's, what, that's what's happening now. But the only way to address it, again, goes back to the, the first question here about the courts. You can't enforce NCAA amateurism regulations without getting sued unless you either have an antitrust exemption or a CBA. Um, and that's why coaches complain about how their job is more fundraising than coaching ball at this point. And that's why uh, a lot of roster management and retention has become much more transactional than it was before. But until you address those legal issues, I don't think there's a way that college sports or college sports programs can put that genie back in the bottle. Does that make sense? 
It, it absolutely does. And I thought your analogy there about, you know, the Denver Nuggets passing a hat around to try to keep Nikola Jokic is, is it's a fascinating one, right? Like we just saw this happen at Montana specifically because Junior Bergen, yeah. who's electric punt returner and wide receiver for the Grizz, was a huge part of their run to the national championship game. Well, he's got a year of eligibility remaining. As soon as the you know, the portal for the guys that played in the, the championship, there's a, like an extra week of leeway there. As soon as it opened, he got all sorts of offers. And so it was like down to the 11th hour with Montana crowdsourcing, basically. Yeah. I mean, they were they were getting quarterback club guys to, to, to pay their quarterback club fees early so that they could then like take that money and basically give themselves a loan through the collective to make this kid an offer so he doesn't go to a Power 5 school. It just seems crazy and unsustainable to me only because I just think that the, the, the amount of resources here are finite, especially when you're talking about a totally rural state like Montana with only like a million people and and certainly uh, one of the, the lower you know, economies uh, uh, when it comes to the United States. And, you know, the other thing is I I always wonder is, okay, so you're the the good old Grizzlies collective or you're the Bobcat NIL collective. Okay, your goal initially is to raise half a million dollars, to have some funds to to bid on the big boys to keep them home, but also to to spread the money around and get everybody some some coin. Okay, let's say your your initial goal is half a million dollars or your initial goal is a million dollars. The, the gap between you and Washington or the gap between you and Oregon, it doesn't matter how much money you raise. The gap will always remain the same. So it just seems yeah. like a, a futile pursuit to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that, right? And, and I think what you'd have to tell a donor and what you'd have to tell your athlete is if money is the most important thing to you and you have a choice between Montana or Montana State or, or Idaho and Washington – Go to Washington because um, like, we, we can't possibly compete with that, right? I mean, just like if, if you're a reporter and, and your, your, your choices here are ESPN or Los Angeles, brother, go to ESPN, right? Like, there's totally. no way that you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're going to get the money. It's that way in, in, in every field. If you're a professor, like that, that's the case here. The hope is if you like playing at Montana, if you want to graduate from Montana, if your friends are here, if your girlfriend's here, if your connections are here, and you're deciding between here and Colorado State. We might not be able to, to be the top bidder, but we can get you enough money for you can feel comfortable staying. Especially yes. because your earning potential as a Montana football player, I hate to say this, is limited. You are probably not going to make the NFL. And if you do, you're probably going to be a UDFA and your career is probably done in two years. And if you go play in Canada, your career is probably done in four years. And then you're just a guy. So, you know, coming off of, of a deep FCS playoff run, that might be the peak of your football earning potential forever. So who am I going to go tell somebody, don't take the money, because that would be smirched the sacred notion of amateurism that nobody's been taking seriously for 150 years. Like, I, I don't think I could do that in good conscience, sitting here with my, with my comfortable job um, and, 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 and security that maybe not all of these young, young men and women have, right? So, so that's the only thing you can do as a university, and I think, I think your coaches and I think your ADs and everything would, would say the same thing. We are about trying to, to reach a minimum standard to be competitive with our immediate peers and our aspirational peers. But we're not ever trying to fish in the same ponds as, as people that, 
you know, are making $75 million a year from ESPN. And, and it would be unfair to take money from the hardworking people in this state uh, and, and pitch that as the goal. Because, of course, you can't possibly reach that, you know? Yes, it is. Uh, it, it's it, We could talk about just this subject for a long time, but I do want to move on just quickly. Matt Brown from the Extra Points Newsletter joining us here. Our return trip on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. It's our ESPN Roundtable, probably presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls, great place to gather with family and friends alike. They're serving breakfast, lunch, dinner. You can stream any high school game that's going on in the state of Montana down at Paradise Falls. They'll put it on one of their 25-plus big screen TVs down there. Go check them out on uh, the south side of town, 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hot spot. Uh, Matt, a couple other things for you before we get you yeah. out of here. Uh, first of all, I know last time you were on, you were talking about the uh, the development of this fun uh, computer game that you got going on. Is it close? Or yeah. I, I, maybe I missed this. Did you release it now? It, it is out, my friend. We nice. have the newest version of Athletic Director Simulator 4000. It is a real computer game. Uh, that allows the player to face dozens and dozens of scenarios that ADs legitimately face and try to balance your budget and your director's cup ranking and your fan support uh, and see if you can you know, juggle all of these big existential issues and also some of the crazy small stakes lower ones um, to, to guide your department. And it, it's something we built originally as an educational tool for sports management classes. And we, we kind of learned that, oh, a bunch of just random people love playing this thing. So if you are a paid Extra Point subscriber, it's just 8 bucks a month or 75 bucks for the year. In addition to getting all of the reporting and newsletter content we do, you get a chance to play this game. You can find it at extrapointsmb.com. Can they get it any other way, or is it just to, just for subscribers? It's just for subscribers right now because we like we looked at doing a standalone release on Steam, and the finances just don't match totally. up. And, and like I, I would tell people here, right, like you should not expect Football Manager. <laughs> you should not expect the game that you pay forty bucks for or that you can play on your PlayStation. Because I am a lot of things. I think I'm a pretty good reporter. I'm a decent, you know, interview. I'm not a great software engineer. I'm an okay <laughs> totally. software engineer. The game. I would say the game looks like it came out in 1989. If you played Carmen San Diego, if you played like an updated Oregon Trail, these graphics will look familiar for you. It's fun. Our hope is that, you know, we can take some of the money and some of the lessons we've learned from this and then sit down in the summer and think like, okay, do we want to spend 70 grand and make this like an actual capital G game, like something that, that you would you know buy on Xbox, uh, which I think is possible. Um, or do we want to go in maybe a sillier direction? And that's, that's what we're kind of trying to figure out, which kind of, you know, big picture. Part of the challenge is, right, is like we're trying to think, do we want to spend our money on licenses? Do we want to pay football players at Montana to be in this game? Can we afford to pay Montana to be in this game? Um, or should we spend that money on, on somewhere else? Like it's a, it's a much smaller scale version of some of the questions that like in EA Sports has to navigate as they make their products. We, we unfortunately don't have electronic arts money yet. But maybe if a couple more people uh, listening here subscribe, maybe we'll get that Atari money. Well, uh, the Extra Points newsletter is absolutely worth subscribing to. It's a great look at sort of the ins and outs of college athletics, uh, mo- almost exclusively off the field stuff. But all this, these sort of issues that we're talking about, all uh, NIL yeah. and transfer portal and all these different things. So, uh, if you are so inclined, please go uh, subscribe and support this man's great journalism. Uh, anything, any big projects you're working on, Extra Points, upcoming, Matt? Um, well, I've, I've, I have done a lot of reporting about the development of EA Sports College Football uh, nice. 5, which is, which is coming out here in a couple of weeks. 
I actually I think by the time this segment airs, I will have another phone call with some developers at EA, and I hope to have an update on that this week, maybe as early as tonight, um, uh, including, uh, you know, I think there's been some confusion about whether FCS teams are going to be depicted in here. Yeah. I've seen, uh, you know, I, I know what I've reported, and I've seen what's happening behind the scenes, but I've also seen what's been happening on Instagram in the big sky, so well, we have some follow-up questions to ask there. Um, and, you know, I'm spending a little bit of time next week to, to do a little bit more uh, reporting on private equity in college athletics, do some more reporting on uh, some big changes potentially happening to college hockey, um, and uh, hopefully some silly stuff here too. So we, we, try, we try to cover everything from the, the big legal analysis uh, to what's happening in Olympic sports uh, to some silliness, <laughs> you know, all, 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 within, uh, all within the newsletter family. Well, go check it out. ExtraPointsMB.com can get you there. Subscribe to this thing. It's only 8 bucks a month or $75 a year. Very interesting, great information. And uh, we always love having Matt Brown uh, on the show. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Good to talk to you. And, uh, man, we could, we could go on and on about this stuff forever, but I appreciate you taking so much time today. Of course. You, you bet. I hope this is something that's uh, valuable to your audience, and I appreciate you having me on. Matt Brown, this week's guest on the ESPN Roundtable. Thanks to Coulter Nuanez for bringing us that fantastic interview. Jeff Safford checking in with you here from in-studio, Missoula Broadcasting Company, ESPN Radio. Got Andrew Houghton behind the glass. As always, had great hour number one with Krista Redpath and Coulter Nuanez as well, breaking down the Big Sky and Women's Hoops, the ESPN Roundtable, brought to you by Paradise Falls. As we move on here in hour number two, we're going to bring a season to a close. Talking a little bit of Grizz hockey. Talk about the end of their regular season. We'll bring on the head coach, Mike Anderson. Talk about what the Grizzlies have in store for their offseason and the scenario that brought their season to an end. Postseason hockey, regional tournaments, the national championship tournament, Ongoing in the ACHA, but the season over for the Montana Grizzlies. We'll bring on Mike Anderson and give away some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern after this. Western Montana sports leader, ESPN Radio Missoula. Back with Mike Anderson after this. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultilaw.com.
Grooving away on a Wednesday. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio Missoula, the ESPN MT app, and statewide with everybody. The High Line, Western Montana, Eastern Montana, and beyond on SWX Montana TV. Glad you're with us. Jeff Safford taking you along here in hour number two. Heard a lot from Coulter Nuanas in studio today. Also in the ESPN Roundtable with Matt Brown. That was an interesting conversation. Notice right at the end of the conversation, he was touching on the topic of collegiate hockey, and we'll be talking some college hockey here momentarily, efforting Coach Mike Anderson of the Grizz hockey team. We'll touch on what's going on with the Montana Grizzlies as they head in, head on into the offseason. Also touch on what the scenario is going to be. Yes, we've had their head coach, Marcus Baxter, who's going to be taking over now as the head coach of the Grizzlies, but Mike Anderson will stay on the staff as an associate head coach. So we'll talk with Mike Anderson, this year's head coach, about how the season came to a close, what the future looks to be for Montana. Also touch on the Montana State Bobcats, who will see their season continue on. Also, the University of Providence, seeing their season roll towards potentially the ACHA National Tournament. Bobcats trying to get there, actually, already have gotten there for the second consecutive year. They were the number one ranked team in the final regular season rankings in the Western region. The top two teams from those rankings actually advanced past the stage where they have to compete in the regional tournament, which takes place this weekend in Logan, Utah. The top four teams from the region advance to the national tournament with the top two teams receiving automatic bids. We talked about that last week with Montana State being the top team in the Western region despite losing in their conference tournament to Utah State. Still a fabulous season for Dave Weaver, who we talked with a couple of times on this show. Just two losses for the Montana State Bobcats in the regular season, one being to the Montana Grizzlies. So one feather in the cap there for Montana, looking back on what is now the 23-24 and season. And when one season ends, another begins as on the ESPN MT app coming up this weekend as we continue to try to get a hold of Mike Anderson. It will be beginning of the Montana lacrosse season. Grizzlax has been very successful over the last couple of years, having made it to the national championship tournament each of the last two seasons, back-to-back conference championships For the Montana Grizzlies lacrosse team, they will face quite the challenge this weekend for the second year in a row. They will head all the way out to Minot, North Dakota. Why not? To take on a pair of ranked teams, one being the number three ranked team in the country in St. Thomas, a four-time national champion in the Tommies, a very good team, and Minnesota Duluth, another top 15 ranked team in the MCLA. So a couple of games for Grizz Lax coming up this weekend. Friday and Saturday, a couple of afternoon games, for one being a morning affair, late morning on Sunday, and then a 11 a.m. start time on Saturday, both in Minot, North Dakota, Herb M. Parker Stadium on the campus of Minot State University. Both games will be available for you on the ESPN MT app. Your home for Montana Grizzly Lacrosse through the 2023 and 24 season. It will also be your home for the PNCLL Division I and Division II tournament, 
which, by the way, in April will be right here in Missoula at Washington Grizzlies Stadium come April. So it will be an exciting year for some lacrosse. Excited for that. Lacrosse has been a sport that's been a fun one to get to know over the last couple of years, and it's been fun to see how the Grizz lacrosse culture has grown under head coach Tucker Sargent. And it looks like now going to be shifting back to hockey. So we'll get to plenty more lacrosse as the months roll along. Grizzlacks starting their season. But now it's time to wrap up the Montana Grizzly hockey season as we now have head coach from this season of the Montana Grizzlies with us now. Always used to, always jumped on with us throughout the season on Wednesdays. So we're bringing on again to wrap up the season. Head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, Mike Anderson with us. Mike, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, Jeff? Doing good. And um, thanks again for um, jumping on with us. I know his schedule is a little bit murky, so to speak, as to when we are going to be bringing you on to wrap up this season. But we alluded to the scenario with the Western Regional Tournament, obviously not getting the news that you wanted. But it was a little bit of a convoluted situation as well as to how you missed the Regional Tournament as you ranked in the top 14, but a conference championship ranked outside the top 20 bumped you out. So maybe take folks through how it was that you missed the regional tournament in the first place. Yeah, that kind of sums it up. It is, it's a convoluted system. The, the strength of schedule that goes into the rankings, the it's no one's exactly sure how it all works um, besides the ACHA that has the formula. Um, and then, you know, goal differential goes into it. And like you said, we would have been in had there been no conference champion outside of the top 14. So that kind of did us in. But really, ultimately, we didn't uh, go into the MWCHL playoffs ready. Uh, and we ended up losing in ways that really hurt our goal differential. And that was sort of the ultimate um, nail in the coffin. Obviously, dropping from 8 to 14, you're going to put yourself in that position. And all year, that gap between 8 and 16 even was pretty slim, a lot slimmer than the gap between 8 and even 5. So we knew that was a possibility. We didn't go in fully healthy, either, which didn't help. But ultimately, uh, we just didn't play well enough to secure our spot, and we left it up to chance. And, and chance has a way of uh, ruining things for you sometimes. Mike Anderson of the Montana Grizzly hockey team. And yes, two losses in that conference tournament. One to the eventual champion of the tournament, Utah State. And then another against another top 10 ranked team in the Western region, Boise State. A team that you had defeated just a few weeks ago. And yeah, that must be a tough aspect of it as well. You're right. It does seem like those teams in those rankings seem to be so close together. And even more fitting... The team that bumped out the Montana Grizzlies of the playoffs were the Utes of the University of Utah, a team you had a pretty easy time with early this season here in Missoula. Yeah, and they've gotten a lot better, but we certainly um, we certainly know this has been you know, the tough part of the past two seasons, really, is we know we've um, had the group to do something more. And uh, what you know and what you do are two different things. So we just haven't been able to to cross that bridge yet as a, as a program. And so it was, it was a very uh, gutting experience last week, finding out we weren't in, especially knowing that of those teams that did make regionals, we've beaten more than half of them off the top of my head. And, and then even the, 
you know, the two teams that got the automatic bid, um, we beat Weber last year and we beat Montana State this year and I always played them close. So it's, it's very difficult to swallow for sure. Uh, but it's a learning experience for the guys that are coming back, for the guys that are graduating. I hope they take lessons from it too. Uh, but ultimately we, we did this to ourselves from the coaches down to the players as far as just not doing what needed to be done that last weekend and weekends prior, you know, a couple wins here and there throughout games where we maybe didn't come fully prepared. They burn us now. So it's, it's a great learning experience for the program to understand how the ASHA Division II works where every game really matters and uh, you can't take anything off. And you're exactly right. That was something that I alluded to last week when we were talking about the end of the Grizzlies hockey season was I alluded to the fact that, yes, you did defeat a lot of these top-ranked teams in the Western region. MSU Denver being the number three-ranked team in the West, Montana number one, University of Providence. The list goes on of teams that you were able to get by in this the 23-24 and season. Obviously, things not going quite the way you wanted to towards the end, but you alluded to also kind of boosting things to the next step, so to speak. The players sticking around in the program. Now, where do you see this program going in the offseason? Where are you going to be your first couple of steps? And where does Marcus Baxter, now the head coach, factor into that? Yeah, Marcus and I are already working together on uh, putting together our prospect camp, uh, bringing guys in town. Uh, We started connecting with uh, the different recruits with him that I've been talking to for a while now for next season. It's really just about filling in those gaps and adding in players of the right fit, both on and off the ice and what they bring to the locker and what they bring with their work ethic and then the skill level. So we're pretty excited about the, the guys we have that we are hopeful of coming in, a couple commits already that we're, we're pretty excited about and just going to build out the roster like we do every year to make sure that uh, we have the best players possible uh, for what we want to do. And at this level, it's a little bit of a, you know, uh, the opposite of shooting fish in a barrel, I'd say. You're, you're, there's a lot of fish, but there's a big space and there's a lot of different options. So you really just, it's a, a matter of having the right eye for players who might fit well at this level and might like, might like it out west we might like Montana, so you really kind of narrow it down that way. And, and we're pretty excited about the list that we have, and we're just going to continue to recruit those guys to get those commitments so that we know uh, what we're bringing in next year. And, we, and now we know what really what it takes to, to win at this level and be competitive, and it's a year-long focus and commitment every game. Now the associate head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, Mike Anderson, visiting with us here. Nuanez now a wing it Wednesday. If you want to win some wings from the Desperado, Texas, 406-888-1029 for your chance to win some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern. Ask Mike one more question here, then get him a rolling into the offseason, so to speak. Now if you have something that you'd want to say to, we asked a similar question to Coach Baxter as well, when he came in with us here on One Is Now. If you have a message to Grizz Hockey fans in the course of the offseason of what the, what you're looking for from them, what would you say? Well, that's a good question, Jeff. I would say that we're just going to continue to get better and better, and our recruitment process is a great um, thing because of them that a big thing that the fans bring to it is that level of engagement and commitment to the team. 
and recruits see that, and that's something they want to be a part of. So I would just say thank you and continue that because we're just going to get better and better. I know our record wasn't as good as year two and year three, but we played a heck of a lot better schedule. And as a team, we were a lot better team. I think our the fans who were at our home game saw that. They saw the product on the ice improve both with the opponents and with us. So that's just going to continue. And come September, you're going to see a really, really competitive team that plays hard, plays fast, plays with skill, and is going to be, you know, one of the top teams in the West and, and competing for regionals and nationals, just like just like we were this year, but all just better and better. Associate Head Coach of the Montana Grizzly Hockey Team, Mike Anderson, with us here on Nuwana's Now. Thanks, as always, for the time, and we'll see you through the course of the offseason. Yep. See you, Jeff. Thank you. Rolling into the last segment, Nuwana's Now will wrap things up on a Wednesday to take you home, Western Montana sports leader, ESPN Missoula. Live radio, we got to go. We got a show coming tomorrow. Carolyn, the chick that doesn't know sports and more, Western Montana sports leader, Nuanas Now. We'll see you tomorrow. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now <laughs> for the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.